0: Another episode of Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B I Z Z A R O. In case you want to find me on social media or Facebook, you can find me at Justin Bizarro. And you can find the podcast at Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs on Facebook and Instagram. And actually, you can find me now on TikTok at Justin Bizarro as well. So today I have with us Andy Barone of Barone Herbal Teas. How are you doing today, Andy?
1: Good. I'm good.
0: I, I hope there in Macon, Georgia, you aren't uh, having the same type of snowstorms that we're having in Colorado right now.
1: No, actually, today was a really nice day. It's been up and down, but um, it's a really nice day, and I can't imagine dealing with the snow.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's been a very snowy year here in Colorado. Last year, we barely got any snow, and people were not going to the mountain skiing. And then this year, we've had, um, I don't even know how much. Thanksgiving was a whole... Like foot and a half, I think, of snow, which was fun mm-hmm. for Thanksgiving, but just an, a nightmare to deal with. So pretty cool. So Andy, what I want to do is, um, ev- anyone who doesn't know, Andy was the first episode we ever did on the podcast as an interview. So it was episode two. So that was really cool. So I recommend everyone go back and listen to that. But Andy, could you give everyone a, a quick abbreviated version of sort of how you got into making your own herbal teas?
1: Yeah, I got into it really. I got a degree in homeopathy, and as part of that, there were a lot of Ayurvedic uh, practitioners and crossovers, and I kind of really started to love some of these Ayurvedic herbs, and I made teas out of these Ayurvedic herbs. And I had a girlfriend that I made a tea for, And it was our first tea, Love and Laughter. It was like our flagship tea. And um, she was going through a horrible breakup. And so I made her this tea and it really helped. And then word kind of spread and everybody wanted our Love and Laughter tea. And that's really just what happened. And then that kind of forced us to review, you know, things like, you know, what other herbs I wanted to use. And we started looking at sourcing and we started talking to some consultants in the industry, primarily the tea industry, figuring it out, figuring out how many blends we wanted to go to market with. We did four, and you know we started with four blends, and now we have more than four. We have about if you count our loose leaf about fifteen blends and so it was really a slow process for us. it you know, I was still working full time and I had just gotten married, and I had babies in between. And so for us, we just kind of grew really slowly, and we started off doing markets primarily, like, um in Macon, there's a market. it's a um a farmer's market. That's the best way to explain it. And so we did some farmers' markets, and then there were a couple local specialty shops that started carrying our stuff. And we just kind of started that way. And then we, you know opened an online retail shop and then, we started really pursuing the path that we thought we should pursue, which was, you know, talking to the big box boys. And, um, however, we were, we have reassessed, and that's not the path we're going to be pursuing. Not that, you know, clearly they came knocking, towards, you know, knocking at our door. We have to look at the situation. However, um, what happened with us is that we spent several years kind of mired down in this preconceived notion that you have to be on the shelf at a large retailer to have, quote-unquote, made it. And I think that is not where we're at now. And I think as we gain more, more experience and really took you know, back that ability to define who we are as a brand and who our specialties are... And as we got to know the T-Market better and really became what we would consider, you know, kind of leaders versus, you know, followers in the industry, we decided that for us, the best thing would be to focus more online and to focus on some of our other channels that we have. So we have a retail channel, and now we have built out a factory, which I know I talked about last year. So it's operational up and running. And we co packed for some other brands, so we have a co-packing arm where we're able to help other artisan, ban- uh, artisan blends, artisan blah blah, artisan brands bag their tea, which is really cool. And as part of that, we've focused on a green initiative, meaning that our packaging, our bags are biodegradable, made from a soy line, and our overwraps are also biodegradable, and um, our tins have always been recyclable and made from recycled materials. So, from that standpoint, we've always been green. But now we're able to really offer this green packaging to other artisan brands and help them, you know, along and grow too. And um, you know, that's something that we're proud to offer. And then we have a hospitality line, a single serve line that we're able to focus on now too. So we can, you know, be in hotels and coffee shops and. That way, you know, kind of reach people in a broader perspective versus, you know, just kind of being in the T aisle at a Kroger or a Publix or whatever. So we have refocused, and I would, I, I do think that, you know, from our standpoint, it's much better because it allows us more bandwidth. So that retail avenue was just taking up so much of my time dealing with brokers and distributors and. What it came down to, honestly, was that we just weren't really able to make money doing that, selling that way. So I think, you know, when you look at it and it becomes a business and something that you want to sustain you versus a hobby, um, you start to make some, I would say, real world choices. And uh, you have to kind of look at things and figure out, you know, how you're going to Sustain as a brand and support your family versus just you know making tea so people can enjoy it. And not to say our first and foremost goal is always to be able to offer a product that you know people enjoy. However, you know we are looking at it as a business now as we kind of grow up as a brand and you know I think evolve in my mind from tea maker to you know businesswoman which is you know something over the past year that has kind of happened to me it's been kind of a slow organic process but for sure i think building out the factory and having that machinery and then really getting so involved in the industry from building it out to figuring out how to source all the materials we need to you know now trying to source teas direct from the farms where they come tea gardens so I think from our standpoint, you know, we are really growing as a brand and really, you know, what we would look at um, as leaders in the brand, able to help other uh, startups and smaller, you know, newer brands.
0: And I love that. And are you ever going to maybe consider doing your own tea gardens and further vertical integrating your process?
1: It's so early. So we just had um, – Landscape or come, we have a historic house that we renovated and um, we renovated the commercial kitchen into, we renovated the garage into a commercial kitchen. It's now a honey house. So we have hives. We have about 10 hives and um, we've started doing some infused honeys which are, an, it's a new product that we've been doing. Um, my husband's a beekeeper and, and he loves the bees. Um, and As part of that, we're really looking to see, like, you know, how we can kind of landscape the area. And we started, you know, looking at, you know, what are the best kind of flowers for the bees. But as looking at that, we started to talk about camellias and things like that. And the tea plant is part of that family. And so we're going to see if we're going to try. And as part of our landscaping efforts, just plant a few of the tea plants to see how they do. I know that I've spoken to a few other people who have planted them, but they haven't harvested them. So I know they grow in this area. I just don't know in terms of harvesting them how that looks. And so I think if we kind of grow them here and see how they do, that's our first step, just, you know, whatever, for fun. And then we can kind of see if it's something that we'd want to pursue. However, that being said, tea in and of itself—it's—I I honestly feel like I might be doing myself a disservice by growing my own tea. Some of the other herbs we've tried to grow, we tried to grow lavender, and we just weren't able to do it. Our lavender burned, and um, so it just got fried in the sun. And so, it just—and this on this lot of land, we just couldn't do the lavender. And we were trying to grow some of the other herbs too. We started to grow our own rosemary and things like that for a couple of our teas. Um, But in terms of tea, I think, you know, we're kind of, it's kind of a sticky situation primarily because the best tea, I think there's a Chinese saying that says, you know, the best tea comes from the mountains. So really the best tea, and it's true, comes from the mountains. (laughs) And, um, And so, you know, we're not we're in a valley, so that doesn't that doesn't help our chances of creating great tea. However, um, you know, I know, and they do grow some in Charleston, and I think in Hawaii they grow some. I know in Hawaii they grow some because we actually have spoken to them about it. And um, in the Seattle area, they used to grow it, but they're no longer wholesaling it. So there are a few areas in the United States where they grow tea. However, a lot of these tea gardens have been growing tea for centuries, and, you know, they've kind of cultivated their own species of plant, so to speak, that produces a very distinct tea taste. So the best way for me to say it is that even if we did grow and produce our own tea, I don't think we'd get the quality that we can get by sourcing it somewhere else. I mean... Just by the nature of the maturity of the plants and by the fact that, you know, for hundreds of years, they've been seeding these same plants to create a very specific tape. So I don't know. I mean, that's a tough question. One, but of, the, we'll see how
0: one of the things that I think is so cool is that you're willing to just try it. And you don't know. I mean, I, I, I've heard the same thing that you've said that tea grow better in the mountains, and everyone knows that, but you actually don't know what will happen in Georgia or what will happen when you try it. So you may come up with something that maybe it's a different kind of tea flavor or whatever or complements some of your other herbal ingredients differently. So I'm very interested to see what happens.
1: Yeah, we'll see. And I mean, I think, first of all, the tea plant is beautiful. So, I mean, we're not going to go wrong. It's going to be a beautiful shrub regardless. However, you know, I think that we will try and to harvest a few leaves and see kind of what we get from it.
0: Yeah, and I want to give a quick shout out to your husband Roland as the beekeeper. I've met him a few times at the Flair of Georgia, <laughs> yeah. so he deserves a a, a few uh, a shout out. And obviously, he has uh, one of the more interesting jobs. He's willing to go out there with the smoker and and go get the beehives um, and the honey. So. Pretty interesting, but I love how you guys are infusing the honeys with herbs.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for us, we really wanted. I mean, the, our honey is is it's good, good honey. We, and um, you know, we don't have cotton honey or tupelo, like we just don't have, you know, those trees around us. However, um, we do have, you know, just a general wildflower, and the quality of the honey is is, is good. Our bees are really happy and we try to keep them happy Um, and um, one of the other things that we decided to do is because we have all these great organic fresh herbs that we source for the teas like why not infuse it and it took a while I I would say it took us a couple years to kind of figure out how to do it but it's nice like it's not overwhelming we don't have to really whip or do anything to the honey we just put them in these kind of clear barrels, and we let it sit in the sun with the whole herbs for about three weeks. And then we have a seven-filter process. So we have these totally fine, fine filters, and we process and filter filtered about seven through seven filters. And then it just has that natural honey, but retains some of the essence of the herb. So like the cinnamon, we have a cinnamon rose, and it's you know has that spice, and we have a ginger niece, and it's also spicy a little bit. We have an elderberry honey, too. We infuse with elderberries. That is good. It has a little bit of that sourness from the elderberries. But, I mean, I think it's a super nice flavor. And, um, you know, we're kind of looking at it as supercharging the honey with all these great benefits from the other herbs.
0: Um, You're actually, like, the third podcast I had, three out of the last four podcasts, have had elderberries in their product, which is a coincidence. I didn't go aiming that, but... The benefits on the herbal side of elderberries are enormous and fighting flu and everything like that. And then you have the honey, which helps fight allergies from from an herbal medicine health standpoint, which I think is pretty cool. You've just combined two for like this superpower.
1: That's right. That's why we did it. And we also did it because elderberries are super easy to infuse in the honey. We tried lavender. We tried a lot of different things. But the lavender would just soak up the honey, and we couldn't really filter it. So it just happened to be that elderberry has these great qualities. Plus, it's easy to filter out. So you know, just kind of worked. So for us, but we had tried some other variations that didn't were not successful.
0: And so, what made you decide to make the leap into honey? Because last time we were talk, we talked. You were in tea, and then you were building the facility to go into co-packing. So have you always guys have always had hives or is it something that just progressed recently or you've been talking about it for a while?
1: Um, We had been taught, well, my husband, well, actually they were, it was a good, a good friend of the family had hives and um, he, and this was, he passed away about three years ago. And so Roland would go help him with his hives. And then we inherited his hives and his cat by the way. Um, and we, um, ended up really getting those hives and, and that's kind of how we started with hives, I guess. And however, Roland had to learn a lot about it. I mean, I'm really not involved in the hives. I mean, much because I don't have a suit. I mean, I'll go out there if he tells me to do something and do something to them. Um, but I've only gotten stung once. I will have to say, which is pretty good. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he, he's out there much more with them. I um He really just kind of learned from – our um, friend's name was Jim. He learned from Jim, and then he just kind of lost a lot of hives and just learned through that process about how to find a queen and how to requeen. And, you know, when he felt like he had to, you know, uh, clean the hives and moths and these wax moths and all of these other kind of things that happened, he just kind of learned – by doing it. And um, then as he kind of started to be able to re hives and he started to get healthy hives, we were able to just grow hives on our own. And, you know, one turned into three, turned into seven, and now it's ten. And I don't know how many we'll get this spring and summer, you know. But that's kind of how it started. And I think Roland's always liked doing it. It's something that you can do early in the morning. He's a morning person. And you know he can just kind of put on the suit and just go out there and not pay attention to anything else and just kind of play with the bees. That's what we call it. We say he's oh, huh. daddy's playing with the bees. So I don't know.
0: So I love I don't think that.
1: With a lot of forethought.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it just sort of happened. I think there's a lot of that in being entrepreneurs, and it's sort of been your story. Is that it started off with the herbs? I mean, the herbal teas. And then it's sort of gotten into co-packing, which has given you another business, which has led to maybe exploring the herbal garden concept and fairly vertical integration. And then also now the bees, which, you know, somewhat that you took an interest in or Roland took an interest in, but now it's being infused with the same herbs that you're using in the teas, which I think is really cool. And so the other part I like about the bees is if you grow this herbal garden, and correct me if I 'm wrong, but I would assume the bees are going in the same herbal garden that are then making the honey that then you're infusing back with the herbs, so there's this weird circulation circle of farming that's going on there,
1: yeah, and I think that's why so we were talking to the landscaper yesterday, and you know i like I think that I just the more I learn about tea and read about tea. the more I... I mean, I love botany in general. I love herbs. I love I love all of that. And so, you know, I think that's why I love tea, I guess, and, you know, making It's because I just... It just gets me, like, super excited when I can kind of not only read about medicinal uses, but, you know, the history of the herb and where it came from and how it grows and, like I said, everything about the botany and it's just... It's so cool to me. So... Um, I think that camellias in general, just because, you know, it is the tea plant is a camellia, has been something now that I'm super into in all the different variations and types. And so I think that we talked about planting a huge amount of camellias. A, like I said, it's going to make the bees really happy. They just have such a long bloom, so, which is always good for bees. And, um, you know, I think that's what we talked about. So we will have a huge amount of camellias on our property very shortly and we'll see what it does to the honey. I mean, I think it'll only enhance the honey, but you can tell the color will change. It, it will change based on the flora that we have around the house for sure.
0: Now, let me ask a a very big question because, and it's, I'm going to go off track for a second, but I think it's just when, when I hear you talk, there is this enormous entrepreneurial spirit inside of you and the vertical integration and the, the, the bees. Yeah. And you know, they talk about it. Sometimes we don't even know we're entrepreneurs, which is probably when we're the best entrepreneurs when we're not actually trying to be, we're just trying to do what we like, but you have this way where you're finding ideas and concepts within something. I mean, you're taking something that the bees and the flowers and they have a longer bloom cycle. So there's more, the bees are going to love them and you'll have happy bees, which also is stuff you're going to use for your teas, you know? And so that's all just naturally. I mean, we put the term entrepreneurial to it and this is the entrepreneurs podcast and and we we do fall forward and we make moves, but you're doing them naturally because it makes sense. So that's a compliment. I, mean, I, guess so. I, I can see it. I can see it. Honestly, it's it's amazing I mean, compared if you to can work. See
1: it. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> For me, I think I'm. Um. I probably well, can probably see it too. So I'm very detail oriented. So I'm all about you know, which herb and like I said, I can sit there and read materia medica. I don't know whatever. It's about for hours and just get like, Oh my God, this is so cool. And, you know, get very in my head with it. And so in terms of that, like, I am great at the operations because, you know, I can tell you every lot number and every ingredient and every, however, Roland's much more big picture. So I should probably ask him, you know, how he sees this company going. And I'm sure if you ask me where I see this company going, our ideas would be so far apart However, they probably merge in the long run, which is weird that, you know, now that you're saying that, because Roland does talk, like he talks very big and his plans are very grand. And my plans are much more like this is what I need to do to get through the day. So I think that, you know, you sound a little bit more like Roland and talking about that. And it probably is true. I just never I don't step out of it to see it, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's the same with Deborah and I. I'm very big picture and I can see the vision and I and I usually even before I can see it something happening, I know that I have to go in that direction. And she's good at getting all the details along the way and executing the small things along the way for sure um i'm not saying i don't get a lot of things done during the day i just have i'm able to see the bigger picture differently though both of us are entrepreneurs you know deborah's had her own success and stuff like that and i've had my own success but together we've had even greater success so it's just one of those things where you are actually seeing the big picture. You just don't look at it that way. And I say the same thing to Deborah. It's just I'm able to visualize it and I'm able to sit with it differently. Um, But you're actually seeing it in the actions you're taking because you're talking about the bees and stuff. You're just in the, in the day-to-day stuff where it matters. But compared to where you were a year ago, compared to where you guys oh, yeah. are now, I mean, that's not... I mean, yes, you were building the factory, but you're now in the honey, you're now the tea garden, you're now in the steps you made the first four years you were in business doing herbal teas compared to the steps you've done from a year till oh, it's now. crazy.
1: Yeah. It's cra- I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, and I don't know why it just took us a long time to get there, but I think that's okay. Like I said, I mean, you know, I don't think we really looked at ourselves as a business or as experts or as whatever is in the field until this past year and really building out the factory and the facility and having gained all of that knowledge. And then all of it that comes with it, you know, the organic certification implying to be like a woman, we have our WBENC certificate going through USDA bio-preferred. I mean, all of this has (laughs) seasoned me (laughs) in a way that, you know, makes me feel like, okay, now I actually know much more about business. Now I know where we need to go. Now I can kind of see how we can make money with it and things like that and being able to offer whatever advice that I can. And, um, you know, I can – I do. And being a co-packer, you know, we – for me, too, It's that's also about building relationships, which is I love, too. I'm not a salesman. And I would tell Roland, and he's like, you are – And we fight about it all the time because sales is, like, the thing I dislike the most about being an entrepreneur. And, um, however, I feel like it's what I spend most of my time on. And, um, you know, I think that I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs love the sales aspect. But when I look at it, like, I had a lady call yesterday, and she was looking for a co-packer, but she wanted a bottler, not a, you know, somebody that does tea bags. But I guess just knowing and having talked to so many other businesses, I was able to help her with that. And I'm like, I don't even know how I know this information. But I just feel like I've been in the industry so long that I could give her some suggestions and some guidance, even though it's not even what we do. And, you know, I think that, you know, in that respect, I feel like, Seasoned and more of a business person and more of a consultant and able to help. That a year ago, I don't think I would have known any of this either because, you know, co packers, I'm like, I don't know. But just learning all of this stuff this past year has been a huge growth. I do have to say something, it keeps on popping in my head. When you were talking about entrepreneurs, I don't know, like, I feel like if I had a dime for every time people tell me to go on Shark Tank, I would be very rich. And, like, I just, oh, my God, it drives me crazy. But, like, even my uncle's like, well, you should go on Shark Tank. And I'm like, why? You know, why? Because I'm not, you know, just building a business to then hand it off and turn it so I can start something else, you know? Like, this is just something that's taken a really long time for us to grow and it's, you know, and once, you know, and to become expert, experts, it takes years, you know, and I, I just feel like I'm not there, I'm not building something just so I can quote unquote flip it, you know? And I think that, you know, people say that and I just, it drives me crazy, but I think when people think of an entrepreneur, they think of like, oh, you're doing this so you can go on Shark Tank? No! Yeah.
0: Okay. No, I, and I, I think that, and that's an interesting perspective because I do know that perspective. And I will say one of the other things is, is I don't think the, and I hate, I don't want to put it this way because I want to be careful how I put it, but the, the words that are coming to my mind are, you don't really want understand what I'm doing until you don't appreciate how much effort and time and blood, sweat, and tears it's taken to get me here, you know? Uh, Yeah, Um, you know, as an entrepreneur and I'm doing this because I want to do this for the long run. It's not something where I'm in it just to make money.
1: Yeah. I mean, and absolutely. And you have to be, I mean, I don't know how um, any, I mean, again, it's like, you know, there are people who are entrepreneurs and they can start businesses and you know, that's their calling. And like, I, I mean, and I look at them and I'm in awe because, you know, here I am, I, you know, I struggle with my own little company. And, you know, I hate, I don't say hate, that's a horrible word. I, sales is not my, you know, thing, really, per se, in the traditional sense of the word. And, you know, there's all of this stuff that goes along with thinking that, you know, you're an entrepreneur. And then there's me. And that's why when you started it off, saying that I have an entrepreneurial spirit, I'm like, I don't know, like, I never thought of it that way. And I think because I'm so locked into that definition of, you know, someone out there flipping businesses, making money, doing the sales, you know, the rainmaker, like that's not who I am. I'm just someone who is just really obsessed with tea and herbs and making the absolute best quality that I can and also having it make money for us and being able to help other people along the way. And I think that's kind of where I'm at versus just somebody who makes tea, which I was before we really had this factory and had the, you know, financial investment now that we have. And so, you know, we have to pay off this equipment. We have, you know, a lease we have to, you know, pay every month and I have to hire help that I have to pay and things like that. So, you know, a year ago, we weren't in that position. So definitely our mindset about how we're running the business has changed for sure
0: yeah i have three things for you andy on this topic actually the first thing (laughs) is you are that person that starts businesses and is a little bit of a serial entrepreneur you've done the 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 co-packing you're doing the honey which even though it's a new brand it has the potential to spin off into something entirely of its own and then Mm -hmm. you're also vertically integrating just by doing the business and that's what entrepreneurs do and i think you know, when I look at the definition and I actually, and maybe not everyone knows this, is anyone can try to sign up for the podcast and be on it I invite anyone on there, but I don't it depends on the right entrepreneur that we allow on here. Um, and I, I got to be careful how I say this. Because not everyone, we have people that have $100 million businesses. We have people that have $5,000 businesses on the podcast. But what they all have in common is the spirit in which to work and drive a business forward, not build a business and just turn it all over. And there are plenty of people that do that. And, and while I do consider them entrepreneurs, I consider them more value add and dump specialists versus creative entrepreneur specialists. So in in the definition that I consider to be an actual entrepreneur, it's someone who's building a business for the long run that doesn't want to sell it, that even down the road is trying to build something. There's value add and dump specialists and there's actual entrepreneurs. So in my mind, because I don't, you know, and I've I've built some businesses and sold some. So it's not like I haven't value added in dumping. But I'm also an entrepreneur in food. And when it came to food, I've stuck through the entrepreneur journey. In the businesses that I value added and dumped, I wasn't being an entrepreneur. I wasn't being creative. I was just trying to add as much value as I could because I wanted money. You know what I mean? And No, so, I mean, I
1: understand. And I don't want to say, like, I, I mean, like, I... I don't want to attach anything negative to that it's just not who we are and I feel like you know now because of whatever shows out there people think that you know anybody can just go on whatever and just get some funding and you know or you just go online and you apply and you know somebody hands you a million dollars and then you know you're off and running and I think you know that's where it comes to me that you know it's just For me, it it clearly did not happen that way. And if it did happen for anybody that way, I wish they would tell me what the secret sauce is because, you know, I don't know.
0: I've never seen um, it myself. It takes uh, so much work. So much work. it
1: doesn't happen that way. I mean, that's why I'm being sarcastic. I mean, clearly I know. And I think that the other thing is, is that for me, thinking from big picture, everything has been fairly organic and even when I look at my life, and I have been able to do this, to step out of my life and look at my life, um, I am, I don't even know how to say this. Like, basically, my whole life has set me up for this point. And I know that, you know, everybody can say that. But when I look back at my life and why certain things were like such a struggle for me, I mean, and, you know, it's almost been like I was just never meant to walk that traditional path. I had to do this. It wasn't a thing like, oh, it was a choice. And oh, it was like, I just, life gets to a point where you have to do it because it doesn't give you any other options. Does that make sense?
0: I'm almost tempted to stop the podcast right there and let you drop the mic and walk off the stage because that was, um, that was 100% spot on. I think it's, So many people can relate to that and they don't understand it. It's because, and I've had the same, I had the same struggle. I struggled when I first got out and I tried to go mainstream America, what everyone expected of me and call me rebellious. People call me stupid. Bizarro, what are you doing? Why don't you get a real job? You know, (laughs) you know, uh, you know, why don't you sell that? What is this stupid food thing you're doing? There was a lot of that stuff, you know, and, um, you know, at first people seem supportive and then, then they, you know, oh, how lucky are you when you actually start succeeding? You're like, there was no luck. It, like, it was all like a lifetime of preparing right. for this moment. And, yeah. but I think it's what you said is spot on. And the other thing that I think that you said that was spot on earlier is that you like building relationships, but you don't like sales and I think a lot of people suffer from this, and it took me a lot of years as an entrepreneur before I realized this, is that actually I never have to sell anything. I never, I I don't go out and sell our businesses ever. I don't sell our products. I don't actually even have a sales team. We don't have any of that. But what we do have is we have a group of people that develop business and manage client relations. And through that, we build relationships. And when you build relationships with people in they buy your products they they come to you for co packing they come to you and it's they like the relationships and they like the people and that's what you know that's why you know you can sell your company your company never does as well and grows as well and unless it's you running it you know everyone could tell yeah, me something different but I've never seen it and um and the truth is is that I think you Andy build relationships i mean you took a huge leap of faith by being the first interview on this podcast because we had built a relationship through the Flavor of Georgia. and
1: No, I understand that, but I never looked at it as a risk. Yeah. Which is, I just felt like, oh, my well, God. I mean, I guess I always saw it as an opportunity. And I think that's the thing, too, is that there was never a ri- I mean, what's the risk?
0: I love that. Keep going. I like where you're going with this.
1: No, but, I mean, I think that, you know, from my standpoint – Here's the thing. I mean, I I cannot tell you, if I listened to statistics and risks and this and that, I would honestly still be working at some advertising agency miserable. I mean, I think that, like, you know, my – and, again, it's, like, just my life and how my life has manifested. But, you know, I mean – I, I mean, I'm going to, I don't want to age myself, but like, you know, I didn't get married till I was 40. I had kids when I literally had a doctor tell me I had less than a 1% of get chance of having kids and I have two. So, I mean, it's like one of those things and you know, I think that if you listen to all the naysayers in your life and you think about everything like the risks and what's going to happen and this and that. And trust me, I do. I am the most neurotic person in the entire world. Just ask my family. But I think that, when it comes to doing what I have to do, there's not, you can't look at it as a risk. And um, I'll give you another example, because if I do look at it as a risk, then I would never do it. So here's an example of something that's going on right now that I'm kind of in a quandary and I feel like, oh my God, should I do it? I don't know. This is ridiculous. And you know, this is what goes through my head. We're supposed to go to natural food expo and we didn't and it's a long story and a good and this is kind of what ended up making us rethink this whole retail strategy are you talking about the natural
0: food expo in california in yeah two weeks okay go ahead yeah
1: yeah so we were supposed to go and we didn't end up going and we got a grant and we didn't get the grant and whatever and at that point, I think I had had it and I was starting, and this was also, you know, a few months before we had heard that we were in, we're in Kroger, Georgia grown, that they were cl- closing the Georgia grown segment. And then a month before that, we had to fire our broker. So I would say that things have kind of been saying like retail just, it ain't your thing, sweetie. And so, you know, it finally, it took a couple slaps in the face for us to rethink the strategy of where we're going. But like I said, I'm so much happier now that I don't have to deal with that that part of the... I don't have to kind of focus on retail. Let's leave it at that. But, I mean, not, you know, big box retail. I'm sorry. I love the specialty stores we're in and that part of retail. But, um, you know, I don't have to focus on those larger stores and deal and deal with that. However, oh, my God, I totally lost my train of thought. This is horrible. Like,
0: Wait, oh, I no, know,
1: I, know, I remember, I remember. So, anyway, so we didn't get into Natural Food Expo. And so... It was weird. I mean, I was kind of depressed about it. And then a couple of days later, I just got over it because I started doing work and forgot about it. And Roland mentioned to me, he's like, yeah, he goes, you know what's weird? He said, there's like this show that I remember that I did when I was at Ritz Carlton. And um it was so weird. And I remember there was like, some tea people there. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Something with Ritz. And so he goes, yeah, it was the International Restaurant Food Show. And we ended up figuring it out. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Well, it's the same exact weekend as, um, as Natural Food Expo. And it's in New York. And I looked, and as part of that International Food Expo show, they have a coffee and tea expo attached to it. And we have really been looking at ways to build this food service portion. And so I'm like, well, I'll just call them up and see if they have any booths. And this was, you know, like I said, probably in October. I mean, it was, you know, and they're like, yeah, we have some booths available. We have one half booth available. And I'm like, well, how much is a half booth? I mean, it was not that expensive. And I'm like, fine, we'll take the last half booth so we signed up for the last half booth and I really have kind of forgotten about it until recently. Now I'm having to gear up for it. And, um, you know, I'm starting to gear up for it and, you know, go to New York and everything. And, um, I have a dog and I have this, had this dog before I met my husband, the dog's 12 years old and two or three days ago, it was last week. She just wasn't feeling well. I took her to the vet, and she has sarcoma, I think. And so she has very few weeks, if that, to live. And so now I'm at the point where I don't want to go to the show. I was such an idiot. Why did I sign up for the show? You know, I don't think, you know, and so because, yeah. you know, I don't know, you know, what to do. You're making so, me cry. You know,
0: Jesus. Um, Go I on. Know.
1: It's horrible. And I was crying. That's why you you called me and you said I was walking my dog. I took her to this place, this park she likes. You know, maybe the last time. I'm going to cry too. So, anyway, so, and that's why I also you asked me about Flavor Georgia. I can't even think about Flavor Georgia because I got to deal with my dog.
0: Yeah, no. So, and I would do the same thing. Like, I got to tell you, I would do the same thing, you know, it would make so it hard I, to go to a show. So, so.
1: I just. So I don't know what I'm going to do. And, you know, even though, you know, we've been, it's been since October since we've had this and we've been gearing up for it. And I mean, I've printed flyers, I've printed this, I've done everything I can do for it. I don't, I'm just like, I I don't know if I can do it. And again, it's like, I have to take a leap. And the leap is is that I have to go to the show and trust that my dog is going to make it those five days I'm gone. Yeah. So I mean, wow. yeah. I mean, everything is—I don't know. So you know, I, everything is a leap.
0: Well, I'm gonna pray for you because I want you to have that time with your dog because I know how much that means. That's pretty amazing. Um, and on another note, I did go to that international food show. Tri- I've been there a number of years, but I did go last year, and I remember the whole coffee and tea section. And yeah, it's incredible. It's an incredible experience. I've heard.
1: I really do want to go, and I think from our standpoint, you know there's we're going for a few specific reasons. I mean, we're going there clearly to talk to hotels, but more importantly, to get to know some of these little coffee shops that are yeah. around the country., yep. and I think for us, you know it could be a really good thing, and the irony is is that. I was so depressed that we did get into Natural but Oh my God. And then the same weekend was this other show. And it's been so easy to do, you know, and I don't have to fly to California. However, you know, clearly circumstances in my life have kind of made me, you know, question, but you know, it's just, you never know. I mean, even once you, once something looks like an opportunity has been taken away, a lot of times it just opens the door for even a better opportunity. Or like I said, it's like life guiding you where you should be, not where you think you should be.
0: Yeah, no, I know, and that's one hundred percent um so true. You know? It's um it's just moving forward and sometimes you have to pivot and sometimes it's you may have not gone the right direction, but at least you know you tried to go that direction and it's not an option anymore. So
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And like I said, I mean for us, you know. Switching from the whole retail focus thing, and like, and I know tons of people that do it, and tons of people that are successful at it. And I, you know, I'm in awe of it. I'm glad that they're there. You know, however, for us, we just it was just not working, and that's okay too. You know, and like I said, but it, but as we, you know, built the factory, it's like the energy of our business changed. Therefore, our thinking had to change, and our business model had to change, and everything kind of for us had to pivot that's a good way to to to
0: say it yeah and I'm like I said I'm I wish you the best and seriously that's such a tough situation and obviously I've been there and now my our our new dog and well new being six years old still feels new um because when you go through hardship it's and you get a new one they're always not the same as the old one but you have a different bond with them I guess it's like children you have a different relationship with each of them um yeah but one yeah. wanna... of i go ahead
1: I was gonna say, like she's, and just to say like this is my she's my first, my very first dog that I ever had, so yeah it's but
0: um, what what's her like, name
1: bamboozle,
0: oh, I love that,
1: <laughs> it's like she bamboozled her way into my heart, yeah, and that's why. <laughs>
0: That's the same with, we have a small cocker spaniel, and it's Brutus, because like, et tu, Brute, and you will, you know, he made such an impact on my life, Um, and so, um, no, I wish you guys the best, and I will definitely pray that everything works out, because I think it's so important, um, what you said, and one of the things, uh, Andy, that I just want to say, and I think this is a good time to talk about, is you were talking about a leap of faith, okay, and I think, yeah. We should talk about this, speaking of your leap of faith. So here I am, I reach out to you to do this podcast, which merely at the time, I'm not even sure where it's going to go. And a year ago, if anyone remembers, we recorded during a snowstorm also in Colorado, because I had to go out and get a cord, because we had a cord that didn't work. So Andy push the episode back again for me, which has sort of been this experience again. So we're keeping tradition, but out of 132 episodes we recorded last year, including my own motivational Mondays um, that I recorded, you are eight of all time so far. Number eight. If I take away the motivational Mondays, you're number six. And so the first thing is, is you don't even know it, but you'll be getting an award for your ranking for 2019 at our summit that we're doing in Milledgeville, June 3rd and 4th, um, for the food and beverage entrepreneur summit. Cause even though it's a get together of the summer, we're also going to do awards for the podcast. So that is one of the things you're getting an award for. And then also we thought it would be the right thing to do to get you an award. And there's other people that are getting awards, but I feel like it's the right thing to tell you now for being, for t- being the first one to take that leap of faith. You know, because you were the first mover, and while well, sometimes that can be bad, you took a huge leap of faith of being the first person on the podcast. And whether you know it or not, because you did the first podcast, and we were able to release yours as the first, it allowed other people to have confidence in what we were doing, so other people were willing to do it. But no one else was willing to do it until you signed up and did your first. So I thought that was pretty cool, and and you deserve oh, to be recognized good. for that. Oh, um, God, well, I'm
1: glad I could... Push
0: it along. Yeah. And then the other... <laughs> though, th- go ahead. <laughs> I said even though I really didn't do much,
1: but go ahead.
0: Yeah, but here's the other thing that's interesting about your podcast. And every once in a while, we have an episode that all of a sudden blossoms later where it catches on and people start sharing it. So yeah. your podcast was not a top podcast until November of last year. And then around the holidays, someone caught on to it. And spread it like wildfire, and it's still really? going That's to this day. So this new year, okay, let's talk about the new year. Um, for um, this year since January, your podcast is number one so far. Woohoo! Number the the go. first one you go. Yeah. So this year, yes. even though we didn't we released it last year on january 25th for some reason your podcast is trending right now so a lot of that has to do with people looking for you and searching for you it hasn't like we promoted or we pushed it out there anymore other than the first one but it's showing that people are starting to look at your business and search you online and finding the episode so i thought that was pretty cool well i
1: mean i think that's cool too i mean i you know i i mean clearly i'm excited and i'm excited for you too to see more, I mean, more of the podcast. And I love the whole podcast world. And, um, you know, I think that, I think it's great that you're doing it. And I was excited when I saw your um, summit too. I know I mentioned it to you before. And I hope that, you know, you said that. I know that you're saying it's selling out, which is good, which I think is important too because, I mean, from my perspective, I greatly appreciate any kind of venue where I can get together with other food entrepreneurs, just because a it helps my sanity, right? And you know, to be able to kind of connect. But I think that anytime you do it, those ideas that are shared, and like I said, like this co this beverage co-packer that I got, that I was able to pass information on to somebody else for. I mean, you just you never know when you're going to need. Other information, or get a have a card that you're going to hand to somebody else. I mean, I think that you just it's just always good to get together and just to listen to other people's stories and ask questions about what they do because, like I said, I mean, a it's interesting and you get to have a new friend. But I think again, from a business perspective, you never know.
0: Yeah, and I think, um, and it's interesting you say that because the whole the this summit and we're planning on doing many of them because we've got a lot of requests to do something like this through everybody that's on the podcast and people were going to be be interviewing, it seems to be a common topic, but it's all about we're going to focus on collaboration and how we work together and support each other in the food and beverage industry to help each other grow. And I said this on the last podcast with Rusty Bowers from Pine Street Market is that one, in, one plus one one doesn't equal two when it comes to building businesses. One plus one actually equals three, especially if you can collaborate and help each other or create a collaborated product or whatever it is, you then benefit off each other, and then you have a third thing, you know, and that's sort of what's happened with you, is that you're, in your own way, you've created your own vertical integration, so one plus one, you know, it may look like you created two business, but you've actually created a third out of it, in that, okay, I have teas, I'm going to produce my own teas, but now I'm also going to co-package someone else's teas, so... It's, you know, it's a little bit of a cool concept, but collaborating being the bigger picture um, based on what you said. So thank you for bringing that up. And just so you know, I've held two tickets for you and Roland. Um, Thank you. you, So when you guys go online and you'll fill out your ticket, no matter if they're sold out or not, once you put in your email address um, and you go online and you ask for two tickets, it'll automatically give them to you because I've held them for you. So, because we talked about that. And just so everyone knows... We basically have 650 um, tickets available. They are free. Um, it is for two days. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner is provided the two days. But what's kind of crazy is we've only soft-pushed it out there, um, and we just started really marketing it over the last three days. And we're over 300 tickets sold out of the 650 that are available. So if anyone's listening and you want to go, I recommend getting to Eventbrite are uh, looking at our Facebook and Instagram pages and getting your tickets. Um, but, Andy, you don't have to worry about that. I have them held for you. So,
1: oh,
0: Thank you. Andy, as we wrap things up, um, which we didn't even really dive into it, one is is I'd like to get you back on the podcast after um, you go to New York um, relatively soon because I'd like to hear about your experience with the trade show and, ex- and share it with the audience. And number two, I'd like you to get back on because... One of the things I really want to dive into you is everything you've learned about business and grown in as you've in the details that you're so detail oriented in as you vertically integrated and opened the co-packing uh, factory and things like that. So if you would, I'd love to set up something with you in maybe April to do another podcast and we can talk about it in April since I know your schedules all over the place as is mine, but we can we can do that if that'd be okay with you.
1: Yeah, that sounds perfect. I mean, and I, anything I'll, um, it just forces me to be extra diligent at the trade show. So I'll try to, you know, pay attention to what I'm seeing, you know, and absorb as much as I can so I can bring it back and share. So for sure.
0: Awesome. And so as we wrap up, uh, Andy, will you first tell everyone where they can find you online in your website and social media? And then after that, just anything you feel you'd want to share just openly, that you thought the audience may benefit off of, uh, that'd be great also. Um,
1: so you can go to baronetees.com, and that's where we sell our teas, And we have links to Barone Hospitality and Barone Co-packing uh, uh, um, on Barone Teas. So you can kind of get a full picture from all three of our websites there. Um, Gosh, I don't know. Like, I feel so much pressure, like, to say something super important. But I don't like what I have to share. I mean, I think, like, honestly, the takeaway, I think, from this conversation, for me, what I have to share is that you just kind of, you have to have some kind of faith. And to be an entrepreneur, the biggest thing you need, besides smart, besides business savvy, is you need faith. And that is what gets you through these leaps that you have to say, or whatever it may be, or kind of gets you to take that first step that may be scary, and you have no idea where it's going to go. But if you have faith in whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is, in yourself and higher power and whatever, that is what you need to succeed as an entrepreneur. That's the one necessary element.
0: And I love that, and we're going to stop right there because I think it's so important. Um, Takeaway, faith, and uh, we'll leave it there. And thank you, Andy, for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening in, and everyone have a great day.
1: Thanks, Bye.